Hi, and welcome to the Ask Mom and Dad podcast. The Ask Mom and Dad podcast explores questions that come to us in all areas of life. We endeavor to have raw and unfiltered conversations where we try to better understand the life we're living, the questions we face each day, and the possibility of solutions that make sense to us. I mean, we're not perfect by any means. So we just explore these questions through the lens of being a mom and dad who've raised a few kids and seen a few things along the way. We also do this as believers in Jesus who's given us the grace, faith, and courage to press on in life. Today's podcast, we are breaking into three parts and we are um, trying to discuss the subject of should we burn it all down, looking at things going on in current events with the tearing down of statues and the question of what kind of history we need to keep or get rid of. So we've, as I said, broken into three parts. So here is part one of should we burn it all down. Hello and welcome to season two, episode three of Ask Mom and Dad. And so I'm we're going to sit here, this, a podcast where we sit down and talk about things pretty much off the cuff. I, I listen to podcasts all the time. And, and Tanya, I was thinking about this the other day, how well prepared and this morning when I was preparing for this. And so today I sat down and I thought, well, I want to think about a few things that I would like to talk about today. And, <laughs> and, um, but you know, being prepared right before we came on, you were like, are we going to get started? Cause I was like, well, I'm looking for this quote. <laughs> so <laughs> It's, it's the idea behind this is really that you and I are just having a conversation together about the things that are of topic today. And, and today I want to talk a little bit about the things that are of topic today <laughs> okay. um, and yesterday and the last several months, but, and just what we think about it. And so we're, we're not really drawing from today's research. We're drawing from um, our own experiences, our own life and how we've lived and um, and that's, hu- that's yeah, that's <laughs> hugely influenced by the way we were raised. It's influenced by the way, which is interesting because we were both our worldview kind of raised in the South East. Although you're Missouri, and my dad said that wasn't the South um, when I said I'm um, I was going to marry you. <laughs> and um, I would never have wanted to claim the South either. Sorry. No, and Missouri was definitely a state that was kind of in the middle. It was considered a Southern state, but it had people that were abolitionists and people who were not, which is, you know, it was not considered a Southern state. It was considered um, a neutral state because the Mason-Dixon line actually went exactly through the middle of the heart of Missouri. So there was legit both territorial and, you know, people choosing and some were, some were caught in the middle of it in both sides or both sides. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, we're going to talk a little bit about that history, Civil War history, because of being raised in Georgia. I mean, I was raised around seeing all kinds of iconography, iconography and imagery around the Civil War. And so I want us to come back and talk about that. But I kind of want to walk through some things. Anyway, what we do on the podcast, we just talk about stuff based upon well, how we were raised, what we were educated. Our faith is a huge factor in that because we're both ministers, et cetera. And back so, to that, you do... You had a lot more of that right in your face in Georgia, I think, because there was a lot more of a experiential um, taste of direct contact with those kind of things. Certainly. Missouri, we didn't encounter quite as directly, I think. So we have President Truman or we have, um, you know, a few maybe of varied whatever, both sides probably, generals and such, but not as much of – I don't remember growing up with those – at least relating to the Civil War in my state. I did, I will talk a little bit about what I have seen in the country, which is... Yeah, well, and for me, you know, we're starting on this subject, but for me too, I grew up going to places like Kennesaw Mountain, and uh, which was where the Battle of Kennesaw was fought. And I spent my um, childhood years going there pretty regularly, just looking for, you know, lead 
bullets that you that were still quote along and for the longest time we could still take those home and i had a little collection of that and i'd go down to the gift shop and i'd buy little confederate dollars and stuff like that <laughs> that were just memories we took the a, kids to chattanooga to the battle of chattanooga hill or whatever that was um mm-hmm. they still remember that sitting up on top of that hill looking got at pictures a of them with sitting next to a cannon yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking over because that that and now we've you know we've we've looked at that entire battleground site and now we've uh, just recently finished Rod Chernow's book last him. year call on Grant and mm-hmm. then we watched this year uh, the History Channel memorialized that book by doing a, a three part series which I highly recommend it was really mm-hmm. well done <clears throat> so I mean we'll just stay here for a few minutes I <laughs> since this is where we're kind of at uh, the Civil War was, is of course a terrible part of a battle that was was necessary. necessary. A battle, excuse me, a war that was necessary, and I think that was, um, and not, and and was inevitable. Um, not, it was inevitable because in our um, constitution, like you, said, yeah. you know, it says all men are created equal. And I've had this conversation with people a number of times that the only, and so people would ask, you know, how could Christians in the South um, not see that? How could they justify slaveholding? Because even the scriptures now, as we read what slavery is when it's talked about in the scriptures is more akin to employment than it is to um, actual slavery. And the, the way that the Old Testament and New Testament defines slavery is in a context that would separate it out from um, slave ownership that diminished the worth of human beings. Yeah. Um, people who were in oh, relationships no. of slavery either sold themselves into it to pay a debt or were, they could have been spoiled from the war, but they are... were set free. And they were let go on a regular basis. We know there are all over the world, even still yet, situations of slavery. Some, Absolutely. like you're saying, some having sold themselves to whether or not it's take care of them and their family, or because the government is such that they have have no other options, or they've been kidnapped and taken care. We know of many nowadays for sexual slaveries and stuff like that, which are still alive and well in our world. I, my prayer is not not as much in the United States anymore, and and yes, certainly was not started off. Our country did not start off in the good way that way, but they had brought over from the European idea what what they knew, I guess. Um, yeah, and the worst kind of slavery to... that we could think of right now is children being sold into slavery and sex slavery, mm-hmm. and even today in the news, um, Maxine, I mean, excuse me, Glistine Maxwell, I don't know how to say her name, was arrested. <sighs> Um, who was the person who was, you know, gathering and cultivating girls for um, Epstein's uh, pleasure. Uh, And so she's now in the same place where he died, um, awaiting trial. Um, So it's, you know, people, people, the thing that is astounding to me is that people are capable of not valuing another human life. Yeah. But then it shouldn't be so astounding because Jesus tells us that if we don't value, if we hate someone, if we're angry at someone or don't or despise someone, then we are doing exactly that thing. Even yeah. if we live at, quote, peace around people, if we're treating them as if they're not of worth a value and we don't value to relate to them, then we're doing exactly that same thing. It may right, not be a physical right. bondage, but it's an emotional bondage. It's a bondage where we don't value them. So it's capable. It's the point that Jesus is making in that, in that statement is we all have the capacity to devalue what is valuable, especially if, if it doesn't suit us or if we have a right. Go ahead. If it, with closer relationships, it tends to be, um, worse sometimes because it's if you, I'm not getting my way or I'm not being feel, feeling valued, then obviously you don't have value either. So it's we all are, tend to be that way when we consider our own selves rather than someone else and their 
and they're concerned. So that's where it all came from. It came from greed. It came from um, selfishness that people could not, um, in any given relationship, could not consider that someone else, a human, was involved in this and and it's hurting them. You know, my their pain should be something that is in my face or in my understanding rather than just my own and me putting them in their place. So yeah. I'm sad when we do that to our own loved ones, I guess. I'm yeah, no, that's, that's why I go back to my favorite passage. One of my favorite passages on that is, is James 4, right, where it says, uh, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? Um, you desire and do not have, so you murder and covet. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. And he says you don't have because you don't ask where you can find that, which is from God. Right. And um, and so, you know, it's 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 the capacity of human beings to devalue someone to the point of enslaving them isn't hard to get to if you back all the way up to something as simple as just not valuing another human being for whatever reason, because they don't suit you, because you don't you don't. You know, there's because there's no greed real greed is too much in your face. To yeah, there's no real see a human. Let's say it again. I didn't hear you because your greed is your blinding greed. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no real room for movement. Not if you. That's what Jesus did so beautifully was he he really removed the margin that we gave ourselves room to 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 be free to foul um, because we would compare ourselves to each other. And he brought a standard that said, well, let's just compare ourselves to absolute purity, <laughs> you know, rather than. Um, comparing the dirty water that you have with the not as dirty water or dirtier water that someone else has. Let's just take actually pure water and put it next to it. And notice how dirty your water really is. You just, you know, you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? If you, right. you know, you're not going to want that dirty water. I mean, think, <laughs> mind. I'm bad at taking illustrations too far, so I'll stop right there. Um, well, the bottom line is when we look at our own selves, there's no way we could bring down another human as being less than us because we compared to Jesus, like you just said, are as flawed, if not worse, than our brother. Yeah, well, so what, we want to, yeah, we want to keep that in front of our face instead to get rid of those notions of of anger, of hurt, of of whatever it is, retaliation or revenge or dehumanizing, destruction. destruction. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, to to the original thing that thing that I was saying is the question that's been put to me was, you know, how would Christians in the South? Um, allow for ownership of slaves how would someone like george washington even and um and uh, thomas jefferson Jefferson and others who uh whose memories are being totally bullet holed or pigeonholed into just those kinds of things um that one little microcosmic aspect is massive microcosmic but aspect of their overall lives and what they lived as were they or were they not slave owners um, the, the simplest answer to that is, is while not um, true in what we understand in today's moral society, in today's society, well, the simple answer to that was they, they took off the brand human. They, demor- they, they, they saw the slaves that were sold to them by other people in the, um, in the countries in Africa and stuff. There were Africans selling Africans to people who would buy slaves. It wasn't just Americans. They were being sold all over the world. And... Um, and so when they would do these, they would see them as one-eighth human. They gave them enough because they could communicate and they could do these, but they didn't ever really consider them anything more than another uh, hand of cattle. That doesn't, that, that doesn't, obviously that's wrong. So, but we see that now. That was, they had managed to blind themselves 
to those realities such that they were able to have a sense of cognitive dissonance or, or erase the cognitive dissonance that should be there between their faith, which is telling them to value all life, and their political belief and how they've defined life around them is what what is what is um, human. It's sad because which is not. we're supposedly you know, uh, taking into effect all the science around us, you know, and they say that these days, like the whatever science of the, uh, the global, you know, warming, cooling, whatever stuff that is. But it's funny how back then the science was used in that sense. They were trying to, it was used to continue to hold, you know, scientifically somehow they were less than human. It's, it's really sad because you're right. They, there's somehow there was a blindness to, what was actually going home and going on in order to justify behavior. So uh, ultimately we all do that in one sense or another, but sad how that continued. Well, and and the thing is, is, and this, okay. So this, this all came about today because I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the statue stuff that's going on in our culture. Um, But the thing that, that I think should maybe lead us into this conversation a little bit too is what we needed to understand was if we were going to convict or what we meaning human beings, or abolitionists at the time, people who were out to get rid of slavery, which started with, well, it doesn't start with, but among the among the English, it started with, oh, am I forgetting his name? William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce in England. So he got it outlawed in Britain first. But but not necessarily because here, um, he didn't have like a freedom in, I don't feel like it wasn't set free in in the sense of declaring that, uh, that slavery was... um, you know, outlawed that type of thing to like 1880 something. So here it was actually earlier here in the declaration of it. I'm not sure about the practices and I don't remember. I know that William Wilberforce fought for several years to get it an actual act of, uh, whatever of the parliament there Parliamentary action. But before that, he had been So you're saying Wilberforce happened things. after the 14th Amendment? Well, a- 1880s was what, um, what I have seen was actually when the yeah, parliament passed it. So I don't really know because we would have made our declaration of um, emancipation before that, but there likely was things going on way back earlier than that, 1700s and stuff. So I don't know exactly the, I just know that those declarations were hand in hand. It right. wasn't as if even, doesn't sound like to me that Britain came before us, but it does sound like together we were making these decisions to part ways with that old tradition which is what what it was. People were steeped in these traditions, which I think is another interesting fact that we can bring in. Jesus warns us about traditions. He does not warn us about standing stones and remembrances of those in, in the sense of remember where you've come from, but remember also what I'm saying. So he's, you know, so he's told us to steer away from traditions that are of men. And yet, to remember what God has brought us out of. So some of these things, I think, relate <laughs> we, to yeah, what we're they, about. they do. We have to, and we're going to come back around, I'm sure, to, to all these, the standing stones thing. You know, when it comes to statues, again, memorials, remembrances, the, the role of what they play, or as the word we've been constantly hearing lately is the monolith. Um, the, uh, the thing that, um, in that idea of how can Christians diminish it, diminish a human being and still hold their faith. Well, the reality, so there's kind of two questions there. If, because they did that, do they lose their Christianity? Are they really Christians or were they really Christians at all? Well, according to the scriptures, that doesn't cause them to lose their, they're, they're all Christian people. Those of us who follow Jesus aren't, um, 
doing immediately aren't doing aren't doing so because of me no is aren't doing so because of our own means or goodness it's real important to understand that in the context of the times the people who believed what they believed believed that but they also held in con as well as in that context the belief that they were saved by faith in jesus christ and as a result of that they leaned on his righteousness not their own so there is no difference today while that particular time in history, there is no difference today. If we take Jesus's standard, saying if you hate another person, you might as well murder them or enslave them, um, to say that there are not people today who are calling and saying that they're followers of Jesus, but still hold standards that are, are beliefs or act in certain ways that are destructive to other human beings. Mm -hmm. Because we're not leaning on a grace that is of our own, we're leaning on Jesus's righteousness. Now, that doesn't make anything right. It just illuminates the wrong. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think it's important that we illuminate the wrong because when we illuminate the wrong and see that we still stand judged by that wrong, it points out that we need a savior. We need something, someone greater than us. And that's where Jesus steps in. So it's possible today, just like it was possible in 1840s and the, and the, and the 1776, all the way back there to live with this when we look at it from today's standards, just absurd life. So what the Christians were facing in those days, what the abolitionists were facing in those days, and this is my thoughts are going there. So thank you for your patience. But the abolitionists were facing those days was not to convince people to stop slavery. Their first task was to convince people that, that they were humans. people. And so, because in order for the, truth, the conviction, we now today as Christians, we look at slavery and we're like, why? How in the world? Because we now well, see all people as people. And I think people. like you're saying, even the word slavery to them meant worker. It didn't even necessarily define what that worker was or who it was. They, they saw a worker. They worked the fields. This is what they do. It's just who they are. It's like as if they didn't have to consider what human meant. <laughs> I don't know if, I mean, obviously they weren't going to be willing to work the field themselves, but they found these workers who were and had no other choice. Oh yeah. So it's confusing to me. And yet I think if you would have nailed any of them down, they would have had to admit, yeah, I guess they're human, but good point. Why are they? I don't know, because that's what their job is. It, it's kind of like, I want to give them benefit of the doubt. I want them to think that they were employing in this, that sense a worker that was just made to do this work to some yeah, degree. Well, and, it was like they didn't see them as... And then what's also important is to realize level. that... that go well, ahead. well I was going to finish. That thought was that's probably why class systems were even the worst culprit of it. Because it was a class that said, this particular class has to do this. This particular people have to do this. this particular, and they might have applied the word people to it, but maybe not. I think of England, it's still in their historical references and stuff that people in this area of the city or this poverty level or this education level, they were these things. And then there was these people that lived in these buildings or did, you know, had this bloodline or whatever. So it was as if they could literally categorize humans as not human, but these categories. So I, I wonder if that's a little bit of what was going on. Well, there, the, the reality is in order. Yeah, I agree with you. So in order for us to maintain our superiority you know now we're using white supremacy for our current the slave conversation is the big conversation but god would tell us like that any of those terms, yeah, well but, i mean yeah. hitler did it in in israel mm -hmm. i mean his in israel he, he would have done it in israel too but he did it in in germany <laughs> when he de declassified or de 
um, valued the human worth of a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was they were they were not of humanity. They were somehow a, a barbaric aberration. And as a result, he was able like to justify terminating of their lives and using them as nothing more than experiments. And, you know, that was Barbary. Uh, and they still have statues over there that, you know, remind them of that Barbary so they don't forget it. And um, so, I mean, it's it's not something that's new. It's something that's been around forever. Hitler was a very short period of time. Slavery was a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to note that it's still happening today. Like mm-hmm. I said, we just arrested this, someone yeah. for it. Now our larger political structures... No longer, at least in our country and in, in Western civilized countries like ours, no longer consider slavery to be um, a human a, 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 a right. It's, it's a, it would be yeah. humanizing. What's, a, what's, a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, the, it's a violation of human rights. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there aren't countries that don't value that. We can push right. it that, 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 that well, share that common value. Is a very caste system in India, you can roll back further yeah. and you can go to um, there was a time in history um, biblical history, uh, when uh, brides for brides brides for uh, Judah was it? Uh, I mean, of Benjamin, yeah. And judges, because they were at war, they just almost wiped out the entire tribe of Benjamin, and so they just set women out to be stolen. Which you know, I was thinking about this in context of slavery. Mm-hmm. People say, well, people, no one has been taken and stolen from their own country and forced to live in 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 another country. Well, I'm going, well, yeah, that happened in the Bible. It happened in all kinds of civilizations. Mm-hmm. The, these women were property. In that time in history, women were not considered, they were human, but they were still allowed to be property. And there was not too long ago in China, same thing. Um, babies were killed just if they were a girl because they weren't they weren't valid humans to be put forth. That was as recently as, I want to say there was a book I read um, that it was going on in the 60s and 70s. I don't, anyway, yes. So we know that in various varied time and places that has been the case, especially with women. So, Yeah, I, I had a question that came to my mind um, about this, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll bring it up in a second. But as you were, because all of that to say, this is not a new thing. It's been around forever. Um, it just has different forms. In our culture, in our country, it's a, um, it's a big deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, 60s was a big deal. Well, uh, it's a big deal. After the Civil War, it was a big deal, and now it's a big deal again. So I don't the, think it's as big of a deal as it is, a, for some reason, a new new revised conversation. Like, what are we doing now to make sure that's not true or to make up for our whatever? Or, so where we started was, so we've got these remembrance m- monuments and such of where we were at, at one time as a country versus what we would like to be or where we think we're going or who we are now. And I... I'm of the mindset, and I'm not exactly sure what you were wanting to address, but I'm of the mindset that they need to be there for, first of all, honoring the people who set it free, who got, got us on the right track um, and set a, a complete country in its, in its right frame of reference, knowing the Constitution that we stood on and, and that we believed in was what we were established for, which was that God has given every human, you know, a... Uh, a right to be alive and to live and to pursue happiness and to be, you know, at the right level and the same level before him. So uh, that was what we were established on. So I think there are people, there are great men throughout our history who have stood on that principle and stayed there, no matter what kinds of obstacles they 
faced, including really George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Well, yeah, Even so though maybe, they would be accused of maybe playing both ends, that's not really true. They've stood on that. They just didn't, like you said, have come to the realization of what pieces of that they had not faced in their own lives or they were facing. Many, many say that George Washington's, um, the ones who worked for him on his plantation were the highest and thought of themselves as the most valued valued members of his home, even though they would have been considered still yeah. slaves. The question is, if, are they a slave if they don't feel or consider themselves to be right. a slave? Right. Well, yeah. I, like you're saying, though, I think they had this mindset of these were, or like we were saying a minute ago, that's kind of what their jobs were. So I don't know that they even thought about that. They didn't consider, wow, if I set this person on their own and free, what would that mean for them here? Right. You know, if they had come over, brought their wealth, invested their wealth into building this country. So in reality, giving everything they had up to to start a nation that would stand on these principles. And here were these workers, people who had human um, hearts and, and true people of, of what I think were good, uh, God-fearing and, and applying to their lives type like George Washington, who made leadership a good you know, thing, I think that would have permeated his thoughts. I think he would have tried to figure that out. And yet at the same time, that was not his first on his agenda. Right then, he had, you know, he had plantations to run, maybe, or whatever it was he had. I don't even know all that. Although he was a, he was a hard worker himself, so I don't know that he would have seen that as a bad thing. He was, from what I read about his childhood even, and... Um, ongoing he was a surveyor he was a he was a hard warrior in you know battles and stuff like that so he was not didn't tend to be the lazy sit back on the porch tell them to do stuff type person well let me let me let me bring this to a question to uh, the big question because i think you know we started with the idea of i was just saying that there are, are great men who have made a difference right and, and i and i'm addressing pulled that. us toward yeah, uh, these thoughts. Yeah. And that's where I want to point this question because it seems like this is a big question that's going on right now. Cause we've spent uh, what, 20 minutes just talking about history and slavery and how it's looked in context of culture. Um, the, the argument is, you know, well, yeah, that's true. It's been there. It's, it's, it's been a thing, but right now at this time we're addressing this, this is what's important. So this is being an uprising to draw attention to a time and space and up to a thing in t space and time. And therefore all of that's not relevant. relevant to today's conversation. So my question is this, do in order for us to move ahead, do we have to burn our past down? You know, what's the value of keeping those things? Because right now what's happening and you were, yeah, you were, you were addressing this. And I, and I was I, starting to address that. Yeah, yeah. You were moving there. So I want us to, I want us, I wanted to just put the question in the context of this conversation to say, this is what I think we're, we're talking about, what we should continue to talk about okay. because in sp with speci specificity, uh, earlier, the statue thing coming down has been going on for a couple of years now, right? So we've seen them tearing down Civil War statues and those kinds of things. And not a whole lot of people have been too stressed out about that. There's been obviously some stress, but there is truth. There were statues that were erected that were erected in the South during the Jim Crow years to remind people what their place was. There was wrong motives for things that were there. Hmm. But now we're tearing down abolitionists. We're tearing down people who just because they had a slave or two in a time, like I said, like when we started this conversation, Tanya, it was, you know, they first had to convince people that these these people were people. Yeah. Um, and for the people that framed our Constitution, when they said all men are created equal, 
even the framers then knew that that issue was going to come to a head. And so they put that in there. And, um, and we, we watched the uh, John Adams HBO special. Finally, it was 2008. We finally watched it 20, you know, 15 years later, 10 years later. Um, the uh, My math sucks. It's what, 12 years later. Um, so anyway, we watched that. And there was this, this moment that they took time to see Franklin and Adams talking and how they said um, in... in uh, uh, who wrote the... I'm getting my founding fathers written wrong. Who wrote it? Penned it was Jefferson. Jefferson. They were Jefferson's original penning was that it was sacred that all men are create were um, yeah. um, were sa- divinely created, and that in this scene in the show, Franklin recommends that maybe we change that to all men are created equal. Move that out because the, our, if we don't, then the, our our states to the south will never inalienable come together. Inalienable rights with versus sacred rights. Sacred rights, inalienable like rights. Because he was concerned that the southern rights. states would not join the fight against England because they would feel that now they have to deal with their slave problem, and it would keep some states from joining. And it was more important at that time to establish the country. Knowing and yeah, framing the Constitution, yeah, you were you were getting at that, the framing and, and setting the Constitution up such that later other issues that need to be dealt with would be dealt with, mm-hmm. and um, the the thing that we're we're saying is it just because these people own slaves in their time and in their day they were they were addressing the problems that would set a foundation to address the issues later, some of them knowingly, some of them not. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, they were addressing the issues that were the most forefront of their time. So while people are arguing today, well, this is the most forefront of our time. This is in your face every single day. Fine. What about the other things in your life that in 30 years, 50 years, people are going to go, but you were doing this. We should wipe out your remembrance. Mm-hmm. You know, we should wipe out. There's, there's, the, there's this question of not just being mobbish about it, but, but having a, an understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it. I'm, I'm, I appreciate you can interrupt me anytime you want past, to right, there. right? Is what you were burn, Yeah. Do we have to burn down the past so to make that's progress? Why, right. So that's why I was saying, I think there are a few things that are worth considering, like you said, not necessarily have flying in the face of, such as even considering so I, I we were talked about this i think a little bit last time when i look at the confederate flag i don't necessarily see a confederate flag i don't see another country that broke off and was rebellious and started trying to have their own way and make their own complete new you know nation i see a time of our history a flag that stood for uh, a thought pattern that was wrong and that was defeated but i can see how at certain places and in certain, I, I do, I kind of am thankful that Mississippi's dealing with that. I, it's right to have that in their history. It's right to consider that that the, the was last, a part of their history. The but they're the last of the southern states to remove the stars and bars yeah. from their state flag. I'm kind of proud of them. And, and that one statement, I think they can go a long way to say, you know, we really don't want this anymore. We really don't want to be associated with that being in our history anymore that's okay make a new flag whatever hold hold because most people most states have a record of what their flags were so you can see the progression of how they've come or what they've grown to that's reasonable i I don't see a problem with that i think you know it may not be the most important issue but it's something they can do whatever there's other things even in all this mess that we're dealing with right now there are things that can be considered and worked to revitalize even to the sense of, so we love, I love that picture of the, the one that you showed me of 
President Lincoln statue, statue with the little boy beside him that was mm. um, kind of pleading with him or whatever. It seemed as if it was a... He's looking up to freedom, according to the people who were... Okay, that's it. what I was going to say. So maybe we put plaques up that make a whole lot more obviousness to the healing parts of that. So uh, we honor the man who was the great-grandson or whatever that was talking of that of that little boy. Maybe we honor him and, and let his story be told, something about where he's come from and how he would know and, and how he sees that as an honorable thing, not as a the white man putting the black man down or whatever, because that wasn't at all what that statue was trying to represent. Um, maybe we bring some more truth to that. I love the fact that in Germany they have revamped. At one point, they literally closed down so many of those concentration camps. They tried to ignore them, turned their buildings into different things, burned a few of the buildings, turned a few of the buildings into some different things, tried to, they even, the one that we visited at Flossenburg, um, Germany, they had built a whole subdivision onto the side of the mountain off, you know, one angle on that uh, concentration camp. That made me kind of angry because I feel like at one point or another, they tried to dismiss the past. They tried to Not face squelch it. it out, you know, ignore it in a literal sense of if we build buildings over this or put houses over there, everybody can ignore what happened here once and we'll make this into a government building and whatever. Just in the last few years, that one we were on, President Trump actually had been, had visited that one. There was another um, a memorial put up in one area that had revitalized some of that concentration camp and set it aside as sacred because, and this was the one that Dietrich Bonhoeffer had been killed at, um, executed. Uh, so that's why we visited it. But anyway, apparently, literally within the last, between, be, be, in the last 10 years, I'm not exactly sure, maybe even less than that, somewhere around in there, um, it was brought back and said, no, never mind. We're not going to ignore it. We're going to bring these the buildings that are there. We're going to reestablish them as museums. We're going to um, mark off some of the boundaries that had been kind of ignored for a little while. They Some of the fence wire and stuff was still there. It had been pushed. You could tell it was kind of pushed off into the forest. Like, yeah. But they had kind of raised it back up so it was at least visible, not completely like it had been. And they uncovered um, some of the grave areas and some of, and the uh, one of the firing spots, the uh, furnace. So yeah, execution. So uh, disposal. Just areas. like that, to me, you don't ignore and push away. You instead memorialize, so you don't forget that this is not something we ever want to ever do to people again. We don't ever want to see half of, you know, our con our um, people group or any nation or people group squelched into de dehumanizing no matter what they are yeah. <laughs> to me to, now it's like you know white people anglos or whatever are in danger of being that next person or whatever but it's we've even said that about our native americans we've we've set them aside given them some different lands and whatever but we've also at one time or another given them some pretty high honors well we should honor them more that's fine. Honor them. But make them a part of our history, not not degrading our history or, you know, dismissing it. And also not... Well, we're going to have to call this episode to an end because we're out of time. 
but it's just the beginning. We have two more parts to go to get through it, so please take a moment and mark your calendar next week, Friday, to tune in and catch the next episode of Ask Mom and Dad. Should we burn it all down? Where we talk a little bit about the issue of the statue pulling up and down, desecrating your graves, and all the things that are involved in the mob mentality that seems to be currently going out there in our world. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to hearing seeing you again next week.